Welcome back. I'm Logan, your host for the Daily Bible Reading Podcast, where we are journeying through the Bible chronologically, taking it one day at a time. Today is day number 101, and we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 13 and 14 today. So glad that you've joined me. Let's pray as we get started. Today's prayer is from the book Piercing Heaven, Prayers of the Puritans, collected by Robert Elmer. This prayer is entitled, I Will Cling to You, and it's by the Puritan Herman Witsius. From eternity, Lord, did you entertain thoughts of glorifying me, a miserable wretch. I am less than nothing. I will carry you forever in my eyes and always in my heart. I will delight in meditating on you. I will cry out, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how great is the sum of them. With true repentance, I regret all the hours, days, weeks, months, and years that have passed without one single holy and pleasing thought of you. Did you, out of mere love, choose me to salvation? Then I will choose you for my Lord, my King, for the portion of my soul, for my chief, or rather, my only delight. Did you choose me from among so many others who, left to themselves, face eternal destruction? I will make every effort to surpass others in love, in your worship, and in all the duties of holiness. You predestinated me to holiness, which is so lovely in itself and so necessary for me. Without it, there can be no salvation and I will walk in it, never separating the end from the means. Was only the end predestinated in neglect of the means to which I was no less predestinated? Your purpose for my salvation is fixed and unchangeable, so why would I change every hour, at one time giving my service to you and another time to the devil? I will cling to you, and I would sooner choose a thousand deaths than forsake or betray you. I will be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for I know my labor will not be in vain. By your Spirit, you draw me to your love, which surpasses all understanding, and I will love you again with all my heart, mind, and strength. You give me the assurance of my salvation, and with this hope, I will purify myself as you are pure. Lord, Honor me in a way so extraordinary and undeserved that you take me for your child. You declare this to me by spreading your love in my heart by the Holy Spirit you have given me. And I will love, worship, honor, and obey you to the utmost of my power. Let me be emptied of everything else that I might be filled only with your love. Amen. All right, let's get into our verses here. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and 14. We left off yesterday looking at Saul in one of the high points of his ministry as king, and today we get to see the downfall of it. So I've got my English Standard Version Bible here ready to go. Let's read. Chapter 13. Saul lived for one year and then became king. And when he had reigned for two years over Israel, Saul chose 3,000 men of Israel, 
2,000 were with Saul in Mishmash and the hill country of Bethel, and a 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent home, every man to his tent. Jonathan defeated the garrison of the Philistines that was at Geba, and the Philistines heard of it. And Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. And all Israel heard it and said that Saul had defeated the garrison of the Philistines, and also that Israel had become a stench to the Philistines. And the people were called out to join Saul at Gilgal. And the Philistines mustered to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and troops, like the sand on the seashore in multitude. They came up and encamped at Mishmash, to the east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble, for the people were hard-pressed, the people hid themselves in caves and in holes and in rocks and in tombs and in cisterns. And some Hebrews crossed the fords of the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul was at Gilgal, and all the people followed him, trembling. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, Bring the burnt offering here to me, and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and greet him. Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattering from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines had mustered at Mishmash, I said, Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And Samuel arose and went up from Gilgal. The rest of the people went up after Saul to meet the army. They went up from Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people who were present with him, about six hundred men. And Saul and Jonathan his son and the people who were present with them stayed in Geba of Benjamin. But the Philistines encamped at Mishmash, and raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned toward Ophrah, to the land of Shual. Another company turned toward Beth Horon, and another company turned toward the border that looks down on the valley of Zeboim, toward the wilderness. Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, Lest the Hebrews make themselves swords or spears. But every one of the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen his plowshare, his mattock, his axe, or his sickle. And the charge was two-thirds of a shekel for the plowshares and for the mattocks, and a third of a shekel for sharpening the axes and for setting the goads. So on the day of the battle there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people with Saul and Jonathan. But Saul and Jonathan his son had them, and the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Mishmash. Chapter 14 One day Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Migron. 
The people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahijah, the son of Ahitab, Ichabod's brother, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on the one side and a rocky crag on the other side. The name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other, Seneh. The one crag rose on the north in front of Mishmash, and the other on the south in front of Geba. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor-bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart, do as you wish. Behold, I am with you heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place, and we will not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hand, and this shall be the sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, Look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor-bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet, and his armor-bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan, and his armor-bearer killed them after him. And that first strike, which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made, killed about twenty men within, as it were, half a furrow's length in an acre of land. And there was a panic in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and even the raiders trembled, the earth quaked, and it became a very great panic. And the watchmen of Saul in Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude was dispersing here and there. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, Count and see who has gone from us. And when they had counted, behold, Jonathan and his armor-bearer were not there. So Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here. For the ark of God went at that time with the people of Israel. Now while Saul was talking to the priest, the tumult in the camp of the Philistines increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, Withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into the battle. And behold, every Philistine's sword was against his fellow, and there was very great confusion. Now the Hebrews who had been with the Philistines before that time, and who had gone up with them into the camp, even they also turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, when all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed hard after them in battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed beyond Beth-Avon. And the men of Israel had been hard-pressed that day. So Saul had laid an oath on the people, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food until it is evening, and I am avenged on my enemies. So none of the people had tasted food. Now when all the people came to the forest, behold, there was honey on the ground. And when the people entered the forest, behold, the honey was dropping, but no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father's charge, the people with the oath. So he put out the tip of the staff that was in his hand, and dipped it in the honeycomb, and put his hand to his mouth, and his eyes became bright. 
Then one of the people said, Your father strictly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. Then Jonathan said, My father has troubled the land. See how my eyes have become bright because I tasted a little of this honey? How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies that they found? For now, the defeat among the Philistines has not been great. They struck down the Philistines that day from Mishmash to Aijalon, and the people were very faint. The people pounced on the spoil and took sheep and oxen and calves and slaughtered them on the ground, and the people ate them with the blood. Then they told Saul, Behold, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. And he said, You have dealt treacherously. Roll a great stone to me here. And Saul said, Disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, Let every man bring his ox or his sheep and slaughter them here and eat. And do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So every one of the people brought his ox with him that night, and they slaughtered them there. And Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first altar that he built to the Lord. Then Saul said, Let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them until the morning light. Let us not leave a man of them. And they said, Do whatever seems good to you. But the priest said, Let us draw near to God here. And Saul inquired of God, Shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you give them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him that day. And Saul said, Come here, all you leaders of the people, and know and see how this sin has arisen today. For as the Lord lives who saves Israel, though it be in Jonathan my son, he shall surely die. But there was not a man among all the people who answered him. Then he said to all Israel, You shall be on one side, and I and Jonathan my son will be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, Do what seems good to you. Therefore Saul said, O Lord God of Israel, why have you not answered your servant this day? If this guilt is in me or in Jonathan my son, O Lord, God of Israel, give Urim. But if this guilt is in your people Israel, give Thummim. And Jonathan and Saul were taken, but the people escaped. Then Saul said, Cast the lot between me and my son Jonathan. And Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, Tell me what you have done. And Jonathan told him, I tasted a little honey with the tip of the staff that was in my hand. Here I am. I will die. And Saul said, God, do so to me and more also. You shall surely die, Jonathan. Then the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die, who has worked this great salvation in Israel? Far from it. As the Lord lives, there shall not one hair of his head fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people ransomed Jonathan, so that he did not die. Then Saul went up from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. When Saul had taken the kingship over Israel, he fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the Ammonites, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, and against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he routed them, and he did valiantly, and struck the Amalekites, and delivered Israel out of the hand of those who plundered them. Now the sons of Saul were Jonathan, Ishvi, and Malkishua, and the names of his two daughters were these. The name of the firstborn was Merab, and the name of the younger, Michal. And the name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimaaz. And the name of the commander of his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. 
there was hard fighting against the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he attached him to himself. looking for encouragement for life's journey, a better understanding of the Bible, or an honest look at Scripture, check out the Christ-Centered Journey. I'm your host, Dan Shipton, and I'd like to invite you to check us out. Mondays through Fridays, we air new programs. It's a daily podcast that's built around building one another up as Christ followers in this journey we call life. So why don't you join us by looking us up on your podcasting host, for the Christ-Centered Journey. If you're looking for another podcast to add to your daily routine, I would definitely encourage you to check out Daniel Shipton's podcast, The Christ-Centered Journey. Um, he is currently working his way through the book of John in it, and he, every weekday, takes about five to ten minutes and knocks out a good thought about a few verses out of each passage that he's looking at. I've had a good time getting to know him a little bit over the past few days, and I think you'd really enjoy his podcast. So check it out. Today in our reading, we saw one of the benefits of patience. And patience is one of those lessons that God really wants to teach us, but we <laughs> don't have time to learn. We would much rather act, because waiting takes faith. Circumstances pressure us to act rather than wait. Waiting seems unproductive. But in God's economy, it's sometimes the best action that we can take if we're waiting on Him. Well, King Saul faced a major test of his patience and his faith as he began a war with the Philistines. Saul and his men were greatly outnumbered, the situation grew worse each day. The people were hiding in caves. But Saul had agreed to wait on Samuel to make an offering before going out into the fight. However, Saul failed to wait. He presumptuously took on the priest's role, and he showed by his action that he didn't trust God to protect his men until Samuel arrived. He lacked patience because he lacked faith. Israel didn't lose the battle because of Saul's misguided action, but his mistake cost him personally. Samuel declared that his family would not continue on the throne of Israel. Saul's son, Jonathan, on the other hand, does demonstrate the faith that his father lacks. Jonathan and his armor-bearer decided to approach a Philistine outpost all on their own. Jonathan didn't rush in without leaving room for God to act, however. He instead let God decide if it was the right time. And so Jonathan trusted God to direct his way. He didn't put out a fleece like Gideon. He was determined to attack, but he would hold back if God directed him to stay put. He was willing to wait on God's timing. You know, there are times to wait and there are times to act. Sometimes, we have all the authority or all the approval that we need to proceed. You don't need to wait for God to give you the okay to go and witness to someone. No, he has said, go into all nations and make disciples. Then waiting becomes foolishness. 
It becomes procrastination or doubting. But as the battle heated up, Saul hesitated. He couldn't decide whether to join the fight or whether to wait for a clear word from God. He even called for a priest to help him decide. But then he waved the priest away as the chaos of the conflict made action unavoidable. Saul simply had no sense of God's timing. I think a lesson for us today is to understand that we should live our lives leaving margins for God, room around the edges where he can act. This may mean leaving time for God to work when only he can do what needs to be done. It may mean leaving time and energy for you to act when opportunity presents to serve God. It may mean leaving money in the bank that you can put to use quickly when a need arises to help someone or to go on a mission trip. It's faithful living that says, God, if you say wait, I'll wait. And if you say go, then I'm going to make sure I have all the resources of my time and my energy and my money to go. But maybe Saul was just in a panic. Panic can cause people to do crazy things. It's that It's that kind of fight-or-flight response that we've heard of. Adrenaline kicks in and makes you react without even thinking. Maybe that's what happened to Saul when he found himself outnumbered by the Philistines. He'd been ordered to wait for Samuel to arrive before offering the sacrifice, but he didn't. Samuel arrived, however, very soon after Saul's action, and he called the king's offering foolish and condemned him for it. Saul acted disobediently, and fear motivated his failure. He was afraid to wait, afraid to let God handle the problem, afraid to obey the word of God in the face of trouble. And so for us, as we sometimes reach situations where we panic, where we get into a stressful situation and we think that we need to take care of it. We ought to remember that sometimes we need to not be afraid to wait. Sometimes the best thing to do is nothing. Sometimes obedience requires waiting, taking your hand off the wheel and allowing God to control. Waiting leaves room for God. Fear, however, pushes us to act now to try to escape this threatening situation. And really, ultimately, for Saul, he needed to obey the word of the Lord. And it's the same thing for us. Sometimes we get into a panic and we think that we need to override and take our own command and control and do what we think is right. But God has given us his word, this word that we study day in and day out to help guide us in these situations. And so we should not be afraid to obey God's word in these difficult situations. Samuel had commanded Saul to wait for his arrival to offer the sacrifice. But Saul rationalized that the danger that his men faced allowed him to disregard the word of God. Your circumstances do not override the word of God. His fear led to disobedience, and Samuel condemned him for it. His action showed that his fear was greater than his faith and greater than his respect for God's word. Don't allow your fear to override your faithfulness to God's word. Spend time here in it so that you know it, 
so that you can follow it in the day of fear. Thank you for joining me today. I hope this has been encouraging to you. If so, please let me know by visiting the links that you find under the connect with us section in the show notes. I'm a simple man and I could use the encouragement. If you've been blessed enough that you would like to support the podcast, I would greatly appreciate that as well. You can go to buymeacoffee.com slash DBR podcast to make either a one-time gift or to sign up for a monthly recurring membership gift. Until tomorrow, keep reading and keep worshiping.